Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to At The Whiteboard, Mona Kafil. How are you? Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's so wonderful to have you. And now Mona and I met on Clubhouse, uh, where, uh, you know, we have leader motivation on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. And Mona is an absolute staple in the room, always after offering the most wonderful wisdom and grace in the way that she talks about leadership. So we, I had to have her on the podcast. It was a non-negotiable that is so gracious of you. I think the whole, the entire room is an absolute, absolute must attending for anyone who is in this space. We learn from each other, truly. It, we really, really do. If there's, I, I recently read about someone that was uh, applying for a PhD program and he wanted to study uh, whether Clubhouse could be a, a learning, a learning opportunity. And, and he was declined when I thought, I think it would be a really interesting case study to talk about the type of learning and the volume of learning that people are getting from Clubhouse. That is so right. That is so right. You know, and I tell I have a 24 year old and she just mentioned a few months ago that, you know, have you ever heard of Clubhouse? And the next time I'm speaking to her, I'm saying I'm telling her I have an account and I am there on a weekly basis. And she was so surprised. She said, well, I'm really surprised because you really took that up on you to learn so fast and be there. And I feel that uh, it's an amazing, amazing resource to have. So I definitely agree with you. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, um, uh, you know, and, and let's start there. And then, well, then I'll dive into my, my question. Yes, sure. So I am based in Texas, USA. And specifically in Dallas, uh, I am in a suburb of Dallas called Plano. And I have been in nonprofit space for uh, more than 10, 15 years. I've been uh, working with different nonprofits, but the closest to my heart is the one that I'm working with right now. And the organization is called Texas Muslim Women's Foundation. It is a 16 year old organization with a mission which is very close to my heart, which is empowering women and their families through many programs. So the first one that we do, which is the biggest, uh, one of our biggest program is social services. And we have two shelters for the survivors of family violence. Then we have transitional housing once they graduate from shelter they can live in those transitional apartments for maybe up to a year or um, two years and they can establish themselves. Then along with that, because the shelter itself is never enough, we have legal services. We need family attorney and immigration attorney. So we have attorneys. We have counseling services. We have case management. So, you know, any time when we receive a call through a hotline that somebody is going through an abuse, it is not just one service that is enough. 
it has to be a wrap around services where we treat each one holistically so we worry about their jobs we make sure that these ladies are ready for uh, jobs or businesses we make sure that their children are okay so you know maybe play therapy counseling so we treat um everyone who comes through our doors holistically because family violence is an intergenerational uh, issue it is not just one generation or it is not just women's only issue so this is this is the organization that i've been uh, i used to volunteer first then i moved into staff and last year i transitioned into uh, the executive director position so very close to my heart um even with this i i try and find time and work with city so i'm on city boards and uh, quite a few uh, other boards um and the bottom line nicole is that i keep myself out of trouble by being in these spaces <laughs> well i i mean i think that the entire state of texas should be grateful for all the amazing work that you do and and the muslim women and and everyone that you support i think it's so wonderful and uh so amazing to hear about the the things that you're able to do and to accomplish and so we're we're very honored to have you here today and and would love to hear all about everything that you do and how you uh guide as a leader so we're just we're just I'm excited <laughs> and I'm used to I'm used to saying we're and you know I've probably said this on every podcast recording now <laughs> so you'll have to forgive me my fabulous business partner of 9 years is is no longer recording this with me and so my my vocabulary when I talk about whiteboard is always we 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 but i guess we are a a network of of amazing associates so i'll 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 align it that way so let let's start a little bit and say you know what guides you as a leader what is your kind of guiding principle in leadership especially in the work that you do do i i do struggle with it quite a bit nicole because i don't consider myself as a leader <sighs> i consider myself as a connector to resources and i i've gone through so many you know cohorts of learning about how to be a leader and i keep pushing that leader is a very i don't want to be boxed in into being a leader i would rather be you know called as a connector or somebody who will find resources for you i may not have answers to every problem that comes around but i will be able to find somebody who will give you those answers so um to me that's always a kind of a you know people would say no own that and i'm saying for me leader has a different connotation so i definitely call myself as a connector and somebody who can find resources so that's where i am well and- you know you know i would say in my observations of the best leaders uh, you know that is a theme the theme of of you know you're the you're one of the most vulnerable and graceful and you know humble people um and and that is a true sign of that leadership right because uh, some leaders lead with ego and lead with answers and lead with solutions and lead with criticism and lead with fixing um and that is very different from what you are suggesting which is um you know i i almost think of it you think of it as as connecting and i think of it as guiding someone through their issue or their challenge connecting them with the right 
people, places, things, information that helps them achieve their goals. So, you know, I, I 100, I don't want you to feel boxed in by a leader, but absolutely you embody leadership in, in all ways, even by that response, right? I, I uh, this idea of leading through connection, leading through um, guidance and not leading through authority or leading through um, having to know all the answers. Absolutely. None of us have all the answers. We may uh, be in a position where we can find answers. And I think especially women, we all are so, so smart. We are so resourceful that, you know, uh, each one of us, if we sit and and take it out by asking so many questions, I'm amazed at the sheer strength of how women are around us. So to me, it's more of a learning and and asking the right questions. Anyone who comes for help, you ask the right questions and the answer is something that they will come up. So it makes my work easier. I don't have to come up with a solution. Each one of them will come up with a solution. It's just that how you coach them or guide them. Yes, yes. Coaching is a huge, uh, if I were to describe what my guiding principle as a leader is, it would 100% be uh, coaching. This idea of allowing people to self-discover and self-reflect and arrive at solutions. And then, of course, provide them the connections and resources they need uh, when necessary. But that self-discovery and coaching tool has always been a, a huge theme in my leadership style. So um, what, what do you think people need right now in terms of leadership, you know, it's 2021, we've gone through um, a, a relatively traumatic year, as we've discussed on Clubhouse many times. Yeah. Um, and certainly, uh, you and I are, are in very different uh, spaces right now, you know, Ontario, where mm -hmm. I'm living is in has is still in complete full lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and we have been for almost 365 days now, especially kind of in our big cities. Less so for myself, I'm a little bit out in the country, but mm. because it's been so on and off and on and off, for all intents and purposes, I feel like uh, I've, been, I've been in pure isolation for over a year now. Um, so what do you think people need in terms of, of leadership right now in 2021? You know, you just described it yourself, Nicole, that you've been or the community you live in has been in isolation. So whether it is self-imposed or it is not, but for past year, almost a year and a half, people have been in isolation in one shape or form. And human beings are social animals. We need to socialize whichever way, however we feel comfortable, we socialize. And this is a huge, huge trauma for each one of us. Some of us will admit it right away. Some of us will realize it maybe a few months later on, but realize that each one of us is going through a trauma of how to navigate the future. For some, maybe the work is difficult now or different. For some, staying at home is a luxury. For some, it is a sign of further abuse that will happen in the house. Mm. So... I think it is so important to recognize we as human 
race that each one of us is going through trauma and how do we adjust ourselves how do we give in a bit of grace remember we were talking about grace we were talking about compassion that we all have to give a bit more of compassion we have to give them benefit of the doubt because and i learned this uh, myself that not all employees are happy to work from home not everyone is content that they get to see the children a lot of abuse happens a lot of depression because they are at home a lot of people who may have a single bedroom apartment and they have to work with that noise with the children in the background so so many levels of you know changes that each one of us is going through how do we have more patience because this is exactly what how i would like to be treated if i'm making a mistake i would some i would want somebody to be gracious i would want somebody to understand that you know there will be good days and there will be not so good days how can i show compassion so i think compassion and grace are big words that have to trickle down in our conversation in every step we take wonderful it, you know I, and it, it, it to some extent this is also coaching right the same concept is asking questions being kind and curious um mm-hmm. discovering what's going on behind the scenes discovering what's impacting someone's performance i know you know even for me i'm often a couple minutes i can often be a couple minutes late um for meetings and mm-hmm. i will i will admittedly say that many of many times it's 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 me i'm a at the minute kind of person mm-hmm. so I, you know i start logging onto the call at 4 4 o'clock and 20 seconds right it's just within a hair um yeah. but also many times um if i've gone upstairs to get a coffee or some water or you know needed to get something from another part of my house i get my mm-hmm. children who are are at home and mm-hmm. being cared for in the home you know get a hold of me and then they don't want to let me go or someone starts crying or something happens and you know it causes those delays and mm-hmm. and i know for myself i'm consistently um seeking to um align myself with people who are graceful and use language if you send a message and say i'm just a few minutes behind bear with me grab a coffee and and people have the graciousness to say take your time i'm mm-hmm. here i'm checking emails when you're ready right just that just this subtlety of this response versus okay or no problem mm-hmm. um there there's a difference there and there's a a huge amount of grace to saying take your time i'm here when you're ready no rush that says like allows you to just take this breath and say okay let me sort out what's happening here and let me move to the next phase versus this panic and kind of uh, anxiety that can that can build up absolutely nicole and and in addition to that um i see people who are on the zoom day in and day out and you know we as women we will have to apologize you know oh sorry you know my children are around so you may hear a scream or they may just come on to zoom while i'm speaking with you we don't have to apologize this yeah. i mean this is something new for each one of us and that's the grace that's the place we give 
to each other it's okay if children are screaming around you because we again we are all women we cannot be perfect human beings while this this pandemic was not planned we are all forced to work from home so you know uh working and while somebody's cooking in the background somebody's screaming it's okay it's okay. dog barking bunny exactly. rustling <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly it's all okay i mean and i think there are some components of the overall work culture in the world that i think has allowed for this grace yeah um, I, you know, I, I've seen a, a few very kind of comical memes even now of saying, you know, people looking totally disengaged during a Zoom call, but the second someone's dog pops into the view, you know, suddenly everyone's very interested. So, you know, I, I, to some extent, and I, I believe some people have really adapted and, you know, learned how to lead in this, in this way that's so unusual. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was speaking to someone this morning and we were talking about uh, this idea of, you know, humans weren't designed to socialize and read body language through a screen. Yes. Right? We, we, what, what, what can happen for us live in person comes so naturally. It's, you know, almost innate. It's, uh, you know, part of our deep historical genetic code Mm -hmm. um, and this isn't normal. And so mm -hmm. we have to learn all these new skills, which is stressful and exhausting and different and frustrating and not normal. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting to think about how, how graceful we truly need to be with ourselves and with others. And the, here's the clip, the, 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 you know, the culmination of my point is mm -hmm you know, everyone is appreciative of this grace. The impact of this grace and this compassion is very high. Yes. The effect of uh, the lack of grace and lack of compassion is very high. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It's almost like there's no middle ground, right? We're on this, this resilient edge where, you know, we were just not, we're not resilient anymore. So the lack of compassion sends us, uh, you know, to one end and, and so does the presence of grace and compassion really can amplify us by so much. Absolutely. And, you know, if you are in a space where you get to lead people, how do you showcase that day in and day out? Because you, as a leader, do get your own burnout. Yes. So it's it's a double-edged sword. But keep in mind that the minute people who are leading, they feel that, you know, the burnout is going to happen. They need to step back. They need to pause because, you know, like we say when we have families that the parents have to have or, the you know, they have to have their own oxygen mask before you you are, you know, helping others. It's exactly the same thing with leaders. How, and you have to be self-aware. You have to be self-aware as a leader. If you are not, then you're heading straight into a burnout. 
Wow. I love this idea of leaders putting the oxygen oxygen mask on first, Mm -hmm. making sure that you're cared for so that you can care for your team. Exactly. And that happens when you're self-aware that you know, you know what, my shoulders have started to hurt today. I'm going to do something to fix it because tomorrow is going to grow more. Tomorrow I'll have another headache. How do I take care of myself today? And, and be gentle to yourself. Yes, my, it's, you know, I always say that the body will keep a score. You may ignore it again and again, your body's tired, but then, you know, suddenly the body will scream and a muscle will be stiff and (laughs) it will force you to stop. So before that happens, we have to be so self-aware that we're going down that path. How do you care for yourself, Mona, when you're <laughs> we're starting to feel that burnout? And I, I ask this question because I think everyone is learning what works for them. Mine is exercise and actually getting outside for a walk, right? Those are yeah. either getting on my Peloton or, or, you know, going outside for a lengthy walk are the two things that bring me back to life. And I I have tried other things. It's not napping. It's not watching television. It's mm-hmm. not anything else. It's those two things seem to be my sweet spot. So I want to know what's your sweet spot. Definitely going into the nature. It's yeah. it's we are human beings connected to nature. So I think anytime when I go out, I forget everything. And second, believe it or not, is music. And uh-huh. I have my headphones. And even after a very difficult meeting, I have to have those headphones on, listen to a song or two that relaxes me. And then I'm back into one of the meeting. So music, truly. And then the third is uh, truly the podcasts that really inspire me. And also now with our Tuesday conversations, that really helps. That is so amazing that I get to share the space who with each one of you who is teaching me and giving me the tips because I am at a position or at a point where I have to have these answers quickly anytime any uh, you know given day people are coming to me there are days when I have the answers there are days when I don't how do I work that in and the Tuesday morning conversation really helps me ground myself so I thank you for that (laughs) my pleasure my pleasure um, I, you know, the music one is so interesting. I've, of course, you know, I've been very, very musical my whole life. I played piano for many, many, many years. Um, I've done musical theater. I love to sing. So music's always been a huge part of my life. I salsa danced for a, a, a big part of my, my younger 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that in this pandemic, I started to value the and I usually paired it with the walk. So I wonder, is it the nature or is it the music? But <laughs> putting on some a lively salsa beat or something to made me feel kind of tropical, you know, as Canadians, we're really missing our, our down south visits, right? We're, yes. we're very well known for going to visit either <laughs> Florida or the Dominican or Mexico or Cuba. And mm-hmm. we're missing that uh, that luxury. And so this winter has been long and those those uh, sounds do really energize me. So I want to thank you for reminding me of that uh, energizing component that sometimes I forget. It's just to put on that song for a few minutes is 
quite uplifting. So I love for, I love this idea of leaders needing to be self-aware and take care of themselves because they are responsible for the wellness and, and performance of their teams. It's a difficult place to be in. It's almost, you know, I think of one of those, gosh, I don't know what they're called, but you know, they always had them at psychiatrist office with the metal balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but so they're really diametrically opposed. You're at the same mm -hmm. time trying to manage the performance of your organization. And, you know, even a nonprofit, it's not just about, uh, in this case, it's not about profit or revenue or targets. In your case, it's safety and protection and uh, due diligence and, 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 you know, limiting someone's potential health and livelihood, you know, that that's a huge responsibility to have. And then also protecting the wellness of the teams that have to do that. That, that just seems like, that seems like a lot, Mona. It is, it is. And believe me, you know, we have to take care of the caregivers. So the caregivers are the people who are directly impacting and changing lives. So how do we take care of the caregivers? So I keep telling people that I have to worry about my staff. They can worry about the clients. Because if I don't take care of the staff and their physical and mental well-being, how will they be able to help the clients who are so vulnerable? So it's kind of a domino effect. Right. So I, I love that idea is that your majority of your focus is really on the health and well-being of your teams so that they can do the work that they need to do to impact the, and I'm going to call it the performance, although it's a, yeah. a poor word choice in, in, in your field because what you do is so important. It's not performance, it's protection, you know, safety. Right, right. See, definitely safety for sure. Yeah, yeah. So one of the topics we touched on on Clubhouse was trauma-informed leadership. And I would love for you to talk about this a little bit because this most definitely is not my area of expertise. Um, and so I'd love to learn from you more about what that means and what that means to you. So Nicole, tr basically we lead with the premise that each one of us in our lifetimes may or may not have gone through any trauma. And trauma is defined as a very personal experience where maybe a trajectory of your life may have changed due to that. Your thoughts, the way you react to people and circumstances is because of that single event or series of events. So that's called trauma. And each one of us and the one of the things which is important, let's say we people live in the same household. There are two siblings living in the same environment. One may get traumatized by a loud parent voice while other may not. So anytime where that person grows and the boss is screaming with loud noise, that trauma comes back and that becomes their trigger. So the difference is it is so personal that you cannot blanket do a blanket statement. 
And when we talk about trauma-informed services or trauma-informed leadership, it comes from that angle that your choice of words, your choice of actions have to be aware that what if I say or do something that the am I going to re-traumatize the other person? So I can give you one example. Being, being a leader, and when you do you're in a hurry and you tell the other person, you haven't done this, this, this. Now, for somebody, let's say, who has been abused and the spouse always drilled it in, in uh, a person's head that you're never a good enough a person. And then in, in my work, I say, you haven't done this. I'm giving instructions that trauma will trigger her own series of events. So I have to be so careful in my choice of words, how do I use these words? Is it going to trigger or is it going to re-traumatize? So that is part of trauma-informed services and also trauma-informed leadership. One thing that trauma-informed leadership brings is non-hierarchical structure. I'm not the boss. We all sit at a table we all come up with one problem and we all come up with a solution together. I'm not a problem solver. You know, the leadership does not mean you're a problem solver. It means that in trauma-informed work, it means that we all sit together. We work with the stakeholders to come up with a solution. We work the solution and then we implement it. That itself is a trauma-informed leadership. And make sure that you as a leader are open to feedback. If you are giving feedback to your employees or your staff or your colleagues, then you have to be open for that feedback. That itself is a trauma-informed leadership. I can go on for many hours on that. <laughs> well, I want to I wanna explore it a little bit more. And so one of the tools that you're suggesting that leaders can do to help become better trauma-informed leaders is to um, first understand how to accept feedback. So mm -hmm. I, I'm going to suggest and correct me if I'm wrong, um, mm -hmm. that one of the first steps in becoming um, a trauma-informed leader is to solicit and uh, learn how to accept that feedback well. Absolutely. Right. So and that your teams feel comfortable sharing what is uncomfortable for them, what is uh, re uh, bringing back up trauma for them. Yes, your actions and your words have to be extremely carefully worked, not to re-traumatize or trigger. Mm -hmm. And so, how does one do that? I mean, you know, I, I want to, uh, as you know as we work with some clients, they, you know, they say, oh, well, I don't know what I can say and what I can't say. Everyone's just too sensitive. Oh, that, that I have heard so many times, Nicole. And oh, I yeah. think the, the best way to approach is how would you like to be treated? Yes. Um, Reflect back on yourself. Yes. That's one thing. And the other is, it's not about choice of words. It is about empathy. It is about, you know, do you see your coworker as, uh, you know, somebody who can be, who has to be perfect? 
No, that person, you have to empathize. Maybe they're having a bad day. And one thing that I keep telling everyone, did you ask questions before you pass any judgment or before you do any instructions? Do you ask questions? Asking questions are so important in this kind of leadership. It helps you clarify half of the issues. And, and that also is applicable even with the family members, your friends, any misunderstanding, any communication gap. Always ask questions before you jump into a conclusion, before you jump into a statement that can hurt. Words hurt the way you use them. So, of course, we have to be careful. You know, it, it is the single most powerful tool, writing and your words. So you cannot be random about your words. Wow. And so I'm going to keep, keep pressing because I feel like, I feel like we're going to come to some uh, genius ultimate solution <laughs> here. How can we practice to use our words more carefully? Um, right. Well, what are some, what are some, some tools that we can use to help us choose and choose and use our words more carefully? Always pause, always pause. It is the single most either success or a failure of a, if any question, any, any thought that comes in, pause and then work your sentences, work your thoughts. And you know, that is exactly what we don't do in social media. And you see so much misunderstanding. And the other thing is, yes, you can write an email, write your thoughts, but first have a discussion with that person because emails do not convey emotions. So how do you convey an emotion? It has to be a conversation. And it has to be, you know, your body language. And then come back to email and write an email to whoever. So pause. And, and I tell you, um, I, I practice that a lot. Anytime, if there are any disagreements, if I've gone through a very tough meeting, I will not give my responses. I will tell them. Okay, is it okay? Can we resume after five minutes? Is it okay? Can I come back? Let's come back after 30 minutes. It's okay not to find a solution. Pause. It's the single most important thing that I practice. Pause. I love it. Ask for space and pause. So let's see. I'm, I'm going to try and I'm, I'm documenting a list here. <laughs> documenting a list of how, how we can all be better trauma-informed leaders because Again, if we talk about the pandemic as a trauma in its own, yes. on its own, I mean, you know, soon Zoom is going to be a trigger word in a few years, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> right? Or work yeah. from home is going to be a little bit of a trigger word for some, not for others, but for some. Um, but step one to being a, an extremely effective trauma-informed leader is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So understanding your style, your type, um, you know, I often bring in the Myers-Briggs type indicator into almost all the work yes. I do. Um, you know, as, as you were talking about pause, I know that's something I have to 
work on because mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. I think through my mouth. I've been saying this for the last <laughs> few weeks. I formulate ideas through my mouth. I, um, I um, crystallize ideas. I refine mm-hmm. ideas through my mouth. And that can sometimes be to my disadvantage because um, I have not taken the time to pause and craft carefully because I'm, I know that I'm in an iterative state, but not everyone else knows that. So number one, self-awareness of knowing uh, your tendencies, your style. I think about also from the Myers-Briggs type indicator, your preference mm-hmm. for feeling or thinking. Yes. Um, those that have a preference for feeling, I suspect will make better trauma-informed leaders because they very often in making decisions and and taking action will um, reflect on the feelings and thoughts of others first. Those with a preference for thinking move to a more objective fact-based resolution of an issue, which is absolutely incredible and a skill that I practice every day for a lot of other activities. Um, But in this Mm -hmm. case, this is where you might want to, this is where people with a preference for thinking are sometimes criticized for the words they use because they are so objective and factual and they can sometimes come off as terse or harsh. Yes. Yes. So number one is self-awareness. So the ways that I recommend people become more self-aware are personality assessments, Mm -hmm. leadership assessments, 360 assessments. They can be very expensive, but I think Mm -hmm. if we want to be the best leaders that we can be and care for our teams, um, for their health and their well-being and their performance, we need to understand how we operate and the impact that we have on others first. I could not agree more, Nicole, and add uh, a specific leadership. um, I don't know. At times it is a course or a class or assessment that's emotional intelligence. Yes. Whoa, that is that is mind blowing <laughs> accurate, and then it'll be honest and telling you where you need the growth because uh, I think leaders ha- have to have a very strong emotional intelligence to understand what how to operate in those spaces. So I think, along with all the personality tests, which are amazing, and uh, emotional intelligence is also an important aspect of it. Yes, I love that one. And I can't believe I forgot it. We definitely have some of our whiteboard associates certified in emotional intelligence. And they, uh, they also have an assessment component to help assess what Mm -hmm. your, they call it EQI, you know, not your IQ, but your Mm -hmm. uh, emotional intelligence quotient, right? Um, So I love that one. So, you know, step two is solicit the feedback in whatever format you can, whether that's 360 degree, um, assessments, whether that's just asking, whether that's providing surveys, uh, if you really want to understand what could be trigger trigger words for people or uh, things that can be triggering to your teams, solicit that feedback, ask them, are there things that make you uncomfortable that trigger you that make you upset? Are there things I need to be aware of, so that I can craft my language carefully? Um, Number three is accept feedback well. Um, And this is certainly a a skill. And I find the only way you can create a culture um, where people give each other feedback and coach one another and, and, and offer feedback up, down and across 
is when the first step is that accepting feedback is a pleasant experience and the person who's delivering it will be so much more likely to give feedback often when let's say Mona, you give me feedback and you say, Nicole, this happened and you know, this made me upset and I say, I am so sorry. I recognize that now. This is what I'm gonna do to change that behavior. Thank you for letting me know about that behavior. I'm gonna reflect on that and I'm going to work on that, however that is. But being, uh, learning how to not respond with defensiveness or excuses or other reasons is that first step um, in, 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 in creating an environment where everyone can share that feedback. Absolutely. And you, the feedback also has to be with compassion. Yes. True. 100%. And compassion, because you will give that feedback so that, that it's the best interest of that, that colleague, friend, staff member. You want them to grow and hence that feedback. So it has to come from that perspective. Absolutely. Ask questions and coach to understand. Uh, you know, one of my favorite coaching phrases and one of my favorite phrases for learning more about people is tell me more. Um, so when someone kind of says something that gives you an indication, can you tell, tell me more about that? Tell me, tell me what you mean. Help me understand that better. Tell me more about what you're thinking. Tell me more about what you're experiencing. It's just such an amazing tool um, to allow people to elaborate and, and get more information so that you, you have full understanding so that you can choose your words more carefully, which is step five. Choose and use your words effectively because words matter. Uh, words hurt um, and, and words empower at the same time. And so where, where do you want to be on that uh, that dichotomy? Where do you want to be on that spectrum? You know, if it were me, I'd want to be on neutral to words and power all the time. I never want to be in a place where words actually hurt. Um, mm. Even if you're giving difficult feedback or giving someone difficult performance, you can still use words that empower and words that um, inspire versus words that hurt. Absolutely, absolutely. No, this is so, you're so right. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not right. You're right, Mona. These are all your <laughs> items that I've just put into a list and I'm regurgitating. So you're right. <laughs> and we have to respect human dignity, human dignity at its core, honestly. Absolutely. And then the, the classic uh, Mona is, is pause. Pause <laughs> to reflect, ask for space, Know when you are triggered and you might need a shift. So recognize that so that you can very easily, um, so that you aren't at risk of using the wrong words because you're experiencing emotions or frustration or tiredness or burnout or, 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 or. So pause when you need it. Again, it links right back to that self-awareness. Know when you're about to hit that burnout stage or you're about to respond inappropriately or, you know, not effectively. Absolutely. And then lastly, have conversations first and document, you know, document and send your emails and your posts later. Yes. Even if you wait five minutes, your words will be changed. Your words will be different. I wonder. It's wonderful. So, Mona, where does... Where does your leadership journey take you next, do you think? 
see that's the pause <laughs> because i don't have the answer <laughs> that's okay that's okay too right. but i really want to be in a place where you know people learn from my mistakes and my experiences and be better themselves whether it is my this current nonprofit or the work that i do with the city um the community work so i try to create a leadership pipeline to coach and mentor youth so that they are smarter they become more smarter and savvy than you know what i had to learn or go through that really is my dream whether it is through programs whether it is individual coaching or mentorship anything that i can do and then my other journey is again servant leadership that's what i believe in we how do we serve people because when you say that self aware i was self aware early on that i find joy when i serve people that is my place to be and anywhere when i can serve humanity i sleep well i i that is my life's mission and my own work's mission so i have to align my life's mission and my professional life and this is the best place to be because wow. i i love serving people well you have served me you have <laughs> served our serve our our clubhouse room room folks every single tuesday and so mona i want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today i can't wait to kind of put it all in and let you realize that you have created a model uh, so of sweet. leadership and i'm going to i you know it's going to be fully attributed to you i'm just going to create the framework for it but you know you have created a model for how to how to embody uh trauma informed leadership and i i can't wait to continue sharing that message that is very kind of unicol and uh it's a conversation right so there's there are so many things that i've picked up from you so it is a conversation <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for joining us today and i am so looking forward to the next time we get to share space together and learn from one another absolutely likewise have a great day mona we'll talk soon You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to At The Whiteboard. Please make sure you go on and rate, review, and subscribe to At The Whiteboard so that you don't miss any of our next new great, amazing episodes. Talk to you soon. Bye.